Welcome to MoneyMD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Zach, you know, it's hard to believe, but Thanksgiving is here. It's here. I mean, it's like next week. Yeah. It's just it's shocking that we're already into the holidays here. Um, and football season's winding down. Um, yeah, I mean, Clemson plays Wake Forest, and then, like, next week, it's like South Carolina, I think. So we're going to lose to Wake Forest, probably. We're, yeah, we're pretty I, bad. I hope that you don't lose, because... I don't want to see you you'll hear, sad. You'll hear the never hear an end of it, right? <laughs> next week. Yeah. Particularly if we lose to South Carolina. We yeah. play the next week. Yeah. South Carolina has Auburn. Alabama has Arkansas. Uh, you know, I don't know who's Georgia's playing, but they're going to They're going to tra- win. They're anyway. going to win. They're yeah. going to trounce somebody. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, football's been good. Um, yeah. But speaking of good, I mean, we have some great topics here. I mean, interesting things going on, you know, in the economy and markets and all of that. We... And we're going to talk about retirement because a lot of people are um, considering early retirement. It's been remarkable how many people have retired this year Yeah, um, that I know. And so we're going to talk about things to consider for early retirement. And this is a recent article out of Market Watch because, I mean, there are just a lot of things that, that you may not think about that you need to think about when it comes to retirement. So it's not a slam dunk. I mean, there's a lot of pieces that have to come into play, have to fall into place free to be to retire early. So that that's the what we're going to start with. Yeah, uh, last last time I was on the podcast uh, we talked about just that hitting that number is not always a good thing and so I think it'll be interesting to see but with early retirement people think they've hit a number and they're good to go but I look forward to digging Yeah, there's into more that. to it, particularly yep. with inflation nowadays. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then the uh, other thing we're going to look at today is is a question we get often. It's just, what is probate? Uh, it's a thing that Anyone has to go to go through, uh, usually in a very difficult and uh, grief-filled time. And we want to talk about what is it, how can you prepare for it, so that it's not um, as draining on you when when you when you see that. Exactly. And should you try to avoid probate? You know, mm-hmm. what does it entail? What does it really mean? What does it cost? So we'll go through all of that. So that's a great topic. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 26 years of experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Zach Albanese, a financial advisor here with Richard Young Associates. Yeah, we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon, sometimes even Friday morning. And uh, But we'd love to have you um, listen to us um, every week. Um, we're, we have all our old shows on our website. Check us out, moneymd.net. A lot of tools there on the website as well. And you can listen to all the old shows going back for, you know, over a decade now. Mm. So, uh a lot of information out there and listed by category of, of what the topics were. So a lot of resources for you. We'd also love to hear from you. You can link to us there on our website. You can send us your questions, and we'll talk about those right here on the show. Well, Zach, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. All right. And so the financial fact of the week is uh, approximately half of people in the workforce indicated they are looking are likely to look for a new job in the next 12 months, according to an August bank rate survey. And over 50% said that flexibility was their primary reason to look for a new job. Wow. In more than high pay, more than job security, it was flexibility. And so I wonder, you know, how much does the pandemic affect that statistic? Um, because, yeah, I think people are valuing being yeah. able to 
see their family or do what they want to do when they want to, as opposed to being locked into a certain location. Yeah, I mean, and that's pretty instructive that so many people, you know, due to this shakeup in, in the economy over the past couple of years and people working from home and and they've kind of gotten a taste of the freedom of not having to come in the office every day. Right. And they've found that to be very important, apparently. Yeah. And um, and I think, uh, you know, we work in a small business that we have some flexibility as a result sure. of being in a small business. And I think a lot of companies are realizing that people really value that, you know, to be able to, to be a little more flexible about their hours and about where they work and their time. Um, so it's amazing that half the people half, are, right, half that's, the people are looking for new jobs. Wow. Yeah. That's quite a, a shakeup. Pretty, pretty impressive statistic there. So that's yeah. financial fact. There you the go. Week. There you go. That's really important for people that are employing people like we do. Yes. So uh, <laughs> I will take that to heart. <laughs> All right, and that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is early retirement, things to consider. Um, yeah, this is a recent article on Market Watch, um, Barbara Peck. Um, and uh, But, Zach, you know, we've seen a rash of people that want to retire early this year, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, it's a great goal to have out there. If you have plans, you have things you want to do, um, then, then by all means, you know, uh, you ought to pursue that. But having said that, you got to have all your bases covered, mm-hmm. um, and that's really, really important. And sometimes there's more than meets the eye to covering those bases. Um, we see people want to retire super early, and sometimes it's not a slam dunk. In fact, sometimes it's a stretch. You know, I mean, maybe it works, but you know, it's not <clears throat> the best picture sometimes that it could be. And their plans assume things continue growing well in the stock market maybe and and then inflation stays low throughout retirement and you know we all know those things don't always hold true right um so yeah so those are the cases where you have to ask yourself some hard questions and you have to consider you know what is the fallback position going to be if things don't turn out perfect you know in retirement for your finances and for most people you know they they might need to work till age 62 when social security kicks in um, and you know, there's only a few years away from Medicare at that point at 62, right. but yeah, if you retire at 55 or something, then you got a long ways yeah, to go right. before Medicare <clears throat> and a uh, long ways before you get, start getting social security. Um, and if you're, you know, lucky enough though, they have a full pension and the benefits that kick in early enough, such as military teaching or some form of public safety like that, um, then yeah, I mean, you may not have to work longer than 55. And that would be awesome. Um, However, though, you know, you may want to work, you know, to 62 or more just to kind of keep your mind and your body active and possibly extend your life. Um, So there's a lot of stats out there that show that the longer you work, the more you stay active, the longer your life expectancy in retirement. Um, You know, perhaps you didn't save as much as you needed, you know, and you find that you really need to work to 62 so regardless, though, of where you find yourself on that spectrum, here are eight reasons why retiring early may not be a great idea in, in some situations. Yeah, and to you know, what you just said, you realize that your savings were not enough for your future needs. I mean, uh, you might find yourself, uh, maybe, maybe you're a baby boomer, and you maybe started your family late, and now that you're nearing retirement age, it's possible you still have kids in college, or maybe you're, they're just getting launched. Or you might have elderly parents who need help paying... Uh, medical expenses, nursing home fees, uh, or maybe you still have a mortgage you're you're paying off. You have credit card debt. I mean, some people 
gloss over the fact that if you're you're planning to stay in your current home, maintaining your current standard of living, you really just need to look at your expenses and the size of your nest egg before deciding whether or not you want to retire. Because there's nothing worse than finding out after retirement that you're coming up short on the lifestyle that you're already comfortable with. Right, <clears throat> right. That's exactly right. Nothing you have to consider is your life expectancy. And I know, I mean, I sit down with a lot of people and they're like, you know, their dad died when he was young, you know, or, or their parents died young, um, you know, from <clears throat> something. And, and a lot of times they have kind of this dismal outlook on mm-hmm. their life expectancy. And they think, well, you know, I'm not going to live past, I probably won't live past 75, right. so I'm going to retire super early. But, you know, you need to be realistic about that. I mean, there have been a lot of Im- medical improvements over the years, and life expectancies have have gone up. Yep. And, um, you know, there are a lot of cures for a lot of things that used to used to kill people, right. you know, 20, 30 years ago. So um, if you look on the Social Security website and you can enter your, your gender and your birth, you'll get an idea of what your what your actuarial life expectancy is. And I can give you a hint. I mean, if you're near 60, then your life expectancy is going to be around 85 for a male and around 86 for a female wow. based on the yeah. tables. Um, so, you know, that's a pretty long retirement. And um, you really need to plan on that and, and consider that between you and if you're married, you and your spouse, one of you is likely to live 25, 30 years in retirement. So um, you have to take that in consideration when you're thinking about retiring. You can't just plan on, you know, 15 years is all I need mm-hmm. and, um, you know, to make my, my resources last. Um, so have a reasonable life expectancy, you know, and, and plan for retirement um, based on, on, I guess, reality and not just your, your personal, you know, history of longevity in your family. And um, so consider that. According to the Social Security Administration, about one out of three 65-year-olds today will live past age 90, and one out of seven will live past wow. age 95. Um, so the average monthly benefit retirement for a retiree uh, from Social Security is $1,500, roughly $1,500 a month, about $18,000 a year. Um, so for retirees with no savings or pension, it's going to be hard to make ends meet on Social Security oh, alone. Yeah. That's just not a lot of money. Um, so, you know, if retirement's going to be tight and you can wait, you might want to hold off, you know, and let Social Security go up because it goes up like 8% per year that you delay. Right. Um, so, you know, if you can delay all the way to full retirement age, like 67 for, for most people today, um, or even up to age 70, then you're going to get you know, a lot more in Social Security, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah, and I think people underestimate, too, the, uh, even though it might not be a large amount in Social Security, if you retire early, having that $18,000 a year helps uh, tremendously your sure. your investment uh, or helps add on to whatever you've saved in your investment. So retiring early, you miss out on having even $18,000 a year added to your uh, investment nest egg. And so waiting a little longer is, is advisable, especially if you don't have a, a sizable amount uh, saved up. Um, the other point is um, increased mortality. I found this uh, statistic very interesting. In 2007, a paper was published in the Journal of Public Economics, and it found a link between early retirement and mortality rates, um, especially among men. Around one-third of Americans start claiming Social Security benefits in their first month of eligibility when they turn 62 and the research conducted in the study showed that men could see a 20% increase 
and mortality risk by claiming benefits early and retiring. And I found this very interesting and I wondered why that was. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, is it like, is it related to they don't have, yeah, they're not they, working anymore, so they co- sort of lose this sense of identity and purpose? I don't know. Yeah, they don't give a reason here. You know, it, it is a good, great question. Um, why? But, um, you know, they just say, I mean, the more active you stay in retirement, the more engaged you are, the longer you live. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of a fact that's been proven and these this these statistics bear it out. You yeah, know, and working yeah, that's obviously very interesting keeps you active. Yeah. Working keeps you active. So, yeah, interesting statistic. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the more you put away, the more you can pamper yourself in retirement years. And and sure, I mean, you know, Cape Cod's nice, but you know, what about golfing in Hawaii mm. or taking an Alaskan cruise or selling the Mediterranean? Yeah, if you stay in the workforce, you can grow your four hundred one k savings significantly and and then you can really live out your dreams and not just barely skimp by in retirement so it's something to consider again there's nothing wrong with retiring early um but uh you know the longer you wait the more you're going to have another thing to consider is you're going to be reducing your social security benefit um as we've already alluded to if you take it at 62 um in fact you know you only receive about 70 percent of your benefit um, so if you if you turn 62 in 2020 full retirement age, then is going to be 66 and eight months. And the full retirement age is is slated to increase a little mm-hmm. bit each year, up to 67. Like I said, for most people, um, if you're born in 1960 or later, it's going to be 67. Um, so you know you don't have to collect your benefits at full retirement age. You can wait all the way up to age 70. And uh, you'll get about 32% more if you wait to age 70. So certainly yeah. something to consider. Yeah, very much so. And and if you're curious about all this stuff, your your Social Security statement will tell you what, key, what you can expect to receive uh, at age 62, 67, and 70. And if you quit work before 62, these projected amounts may change because that's, that's because the amount is based on your 35 top earning years. And your later years will likely be uh, your most highest earn your higher earning years. Exactly. And, you know, if you can afford um, to and you've amassed enough work credits, I mean, you don't have to file early for Social Security or even stop working early. Um, you know, then you'll be, you know, you'll be able to you'll you'll be able to continue to build up those credits, you know, until you file. And it really will help your benefits down the road. Um, and then another thing to consider, though, if you retired early, is you'll be reducing your spousal benefits. Um, so if you're married um, and you've you've earned more than your spouse, if you die first, then your Social Security benefits that you'll be collecting will go to your surviving spouse for the rest of their life, too. So you have two life expectancies yeah. for your Social Security benefit. And so, you know, after age 62, um, and, you know, unless your spouse is caring for a child or is underage, who is under age 16 or disabled, um, then your spouse will will get their benefits sooner um, as well. So if you started collecting before your full retirement age, you'll be getting a lower amount. And that's what your surviving spouse will get whenever if you if you pass away before they do. Um, so just be, keep that in mind. And that's a big aspect of Social Security is is the survivor benefit Mm -hmm. um, that your spouse will get if your benefit's higher than your spouse. Yeah, another thing to consider, too, is is adequate medical coverage included. Uh, You know, even if if you take Social Security at 62, that's still three more years before Medicare kicks in. So, you know, 
do you have to buy COBRA insurance until you're eligible for Medicare, which does not come cheap at all? Or maybe you have to, you know, shop on the marketplace um, for for a plan which might not be inexpensive or which may not be inexpensive either. And so you really have to look at your financial situation and determine if you can qualify for a stipend or maybe there's another option for you out there. But that's definitely a, a question to think about, uh, especially if it's fi- 55 and you got 10 years to think about what are you going to do about about health insurance. Yeah, health insurance is a huge deal, and that's why, you know, waiting until 62 where you only have a few years to cover Mm -hmm. before Medicare kicks in is a big deal. Um, But, you know, if you work for the state or federal government or something and you get full full retirement benefits, including medical, then by all means, you know, that's that that would solve that problem. So uh, but, you know, could just consider, I mean, if you do take early retirement and you want to return to the workforce, it it may not be easy to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, whether you quit your last job or you were laid off, find a new job once you're over 50, it can be a struggle. Um, so, you know, if you do sn- tend to ma- uh, snag a new job, if you decide to return to workforce, chances are it won't pay as much as the one you left. Right. So you're probably making the most you've ever made. You're probably got the most vacation you've ever had. And so if you quit and have to come back to work, you know, that that may not be the case um, and you won't get all the benefits. Yeah. And I even, you know, sometimes it's seeing if you can negotiate to work less or have more flexible hours to yeah. not lose your income completely right. but say hey you know I'm I'm thinking about retiring maybe cut back a little bit and I'm sure if you bring it to your employer if you're if you're doing good work and you add a lot of value they'll they'll probably consider that so I think that's another yeah. thought that just came to mind about something that could be good for for you to to think about yeah, absolutely. That's a great way to kind of test drive retirement is to go like work start working part time, yeah. you know. So approaching your employer with that idea I think is a great way to kind of ease into retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly if you're planning to retire early, that might be a great thing to consider. So those are just some of the things you need to think about for early retirement. I mean, clearly there's a lot to consider and when you decide to, to stop working. And so if you have questions, make sure you get some expert advice from like the Social Security Administration, um, tax consultants, financial professionals. Um, you certainly want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row before you pull the trigger on early retirement. Yeah. Good good article, a good thing to think about. Absolutely. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. So um so the question is we don't have a will. Um so can we use an online program like a uh, legal zoom or or one of those out there to create a will and to save some money? Is that an advisable thing to do? You know, kind of a shortcut to getting the will and not having to spend a whole bunch on attorney fees to to get one drawn up. Yeah, I'm definitely. Uh, this is a question that, that interests me a lot. I mean, just hearing what what you have to say about this because I know that a lot yeah. of people is struggle to schedule a meeting with an attorney and do. It's a, it seems like a lot of process. So things like this that that pop up and make things like making it well easier. Right, seems like a good idea. So yeah. So what's the answer? What's the answer? Yeah. Well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is fine for maybe a, a young couple or somebody that has a simple situation. Get something in place. If you're creating what they call a simple will, you yeah. know, a simple will just leaves it all to your spouse. And if your spouse predeceases you, it leaves it to your children. Mm-hmm. You know, that's called a simple will. And if that's what you're creating, I think doing it on legal Zoom or someplace is fine. Um, you know, just recognize there is some risk there, you know, if it... Um, you know, every state has different requirements for a will in terms of it being witnessed and, you know, whether or not it needs to be notarized and what the certain provisions are in the will for incontestability and, 
and things like that. And so, you know, I mean, those online solutions that are trying to do it for 50 different states and the laws in 50 different states can mess that up. They can get that wrong. You might have the wrong version of it. Um, so there is some risk there. Um, also, I mean, if you go to an attorney, then there's a copy of it. Not only do they make sure that you, you have the exact, you know, right version for mm-hmm. these for the state you're in, but they also have a copy on file there at their office. You know, they get it filed if necessary at the at the courthouse. Um, <clears throat> so there's just uh, uh, there is some risk if you do it yourself. Having said that, if it's just a simple will that you're doing, sure. particularly if you don't have any children and there's not, you know, you're not trying to appoint, you know, guardians and that kind of stuff for yeah. your children. I think it's fine. Um, for most people, I'd recommend just go ahead, see an attorney, get a simple will drawn up. You know, it it might be $500 or $1,000 if it's more complicated. I don't know. It depends on who you go to. You need to ask that question. But for most people, I would suggest go to an attorney, get the real deal done. Right. But, you know, it's better than nothing. So certainly yeah, get something in place. Yeah. Something if, if it's a matter of just getting something in place, certainly go online, get a form and <clears throat> and get it done. Get it done. Um, just just be careful, you know. Sure. So uh, so nothing wrong with those systems of, of kind of doing the shortcut. But there yeah. is that risk out there. Yeah. That's a good question of the week, then. It is a great question. All right. And that leads us up here to our next topic. And that is. Speaking of probate, yeah, um, right. what about probate? It's what al- is probate? That's it's almost it. as if that question was planned to put right before this article yeah, here. How so, about that? Yeah, so what is probate? We, I got this um, from Ramsey Solutions. They, they put this out uh, just last week, actually. And I thought it was good because we, we run into a lot of clients, people who ask about trusts and wills and probate. And it's good to dive into this to think about what is probate, um, some of the questions that come along with it, how, how to avoid it, how much does it cost? And we want to talk about this because I think when you when you lose a loved one, it's hard enough grieving that loss, and then you find out you need to go through all this administrative responsibility. And so, yeah, what what do we what do we do? Yeah, well, and probate is such an important part of the estate planning process. You know, understanding what's going to go through probate, what's not going to go through probate. How do you right? How do you avoid probate if? If that's something you want to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, understanding probate is kind of the first step to uh, mm-hmm. a good estate plan. Um, so this is a great question. Yeah. And so really probate is just this this legal process that helps distribute assets and handle legal matters for anyone who's passed away. It makes sure things like property and possessions are given to the correct people. Any taxes or debts owed are paid in full. And so we're going to kind of go through a series of, of common questions that relate to probate here in order to figure out you know, how, do, how does it uh, how does the process go? Who's in who's in charge? What are the next steps? And so typically in probate, you have uh, either two people responsible. If, if you have a will, then you have someone who's named the executor of um, of the will and they'll carry out the wishes. If you don't have a will in place, then you've got an estate administrator, someone who the court appoints to carry out the probate process for you um, if the deceased died without a will. Yeah, that's right. So the question is, when is probate necessary and how? when can you avoid probate? Um, so first thing is, I mean, probate will happen. You know, it's part of the, the process of settling estates and you're going to definitely have to go through probate um, with, with, with something uh, in most cases. Right. Having said that, I mean, there are there are some situations I've seen where you totally avoid probate because there's nothing to go through probate. Yeah. Absolutely wow. nothing. But usually personal property, 
you know, we'll go through probate, things like, you know, your personal belongings, um, you know, cars, vehicles, uh, land, um, financial assets don't have to go through probate, but they may if they don't have a beneficiary listed. So, um, so it is a necessary process for most people. Um, and if you die without a will, then, then you certainly, everything will go probate. That's called, uh, intestate. Um, that's dying without a will. So everything that doesn't have a beneficiary will go through probate and the probate process gets kicked up a notch. If that happens, you know, first the judge appoints an administrator, for the estate, um, then the court will get involved in valuing the estate, finding the creditors um, by listing, you know, noticing the paper, and then notifying beneficiaries and deciding the fair way to distribute the property. Um, so you really want to avoid the intestate process. You want to mm-hmm. have a will, as we just mentioned, and um, and and avoid that. And so, but having a will doesn't mean you're going to avoid probate. Having a will, in fact is the process that dictates probate. It, right. it determines how probate happens and who's in control of it. Um, so it's not a bad thing necessarily. Um, it has to happen. Um, it's more about organizing who's in charge, who gets what and how much. So basically pro- probate's the process of, of kind of guiding loved ones through the difficult situation and easing the confusion about what's going to happen next um, that the court, you know, takes you through. Yeah. And, and, you know, as you mentioned, Steve, there's certain things that don't have to go through probate. You mentioned financial assets, and I think it's important to know what are those things that don't have to go through probate, and with a little planning, um, you, you can do that. And so the first thing is things that have beneficiary, uh, or beneficiaries can be named on them. Things like, um, you know, life insurance policy, retirement accounts. You can add a, a TOD, which is a transfer on death, to a, a brokerage account. Anything like that where you can put a beneficiary on, it'll it'll avoid probate. Also, property that's held jointly with survivor rights, surviving rights. And so this is just a fancy way of saying if someone else is named on the deed or the title, right. then they now own the property. So, for example, if a, a married couple owns a house jointly, the surviving spouse inherits the house. And it avoids probate. And it yep. avoids probate, right. Another thing that avoids probate is uh, payable on death and transferable on death items. So... Using these kinds of notations on paperwork for vehicles, real estate, uh, bank accounts, stock and retirement accounts, this helps them also bypass the probate process and just go straight to the beneficiary. And the other thing that avoids probate are items that are placed in a a living trust. Uh, Everything in a living trust is owned by the trust. Doesn't have a beneficiary listed, so solely owned property would go through probate. Um, Tenants in common property that's owned with a partner would go through probate. The half of it that, that is owned by that by the deceased person. Um, anything that doesn't have a title, um, like small stuff, like you know personal belongings would go through probate. And inheritance um, when the beneficiary has died. So if there's no active living beneficiary, it would go through probate. Yeah, and this is just this is really just the importance of having a will in place. Uh, it makes it go smoothly. It's, it's good for your loved ones. But if there's no will in place, then the probate court judge has to step in and, and kind of handle this process. So, yeah, how, how does probate work and what what happens in the process? So this is where the executor or the estate administrator comes into the, in the play. And the first thing you'll do when you, uh, when you encounter this is present the death certificate to the court. And so either the executor of the will, the estate lawyer, a close relative will, will tell the court um, that a, the loved one has died by, by presenting them a death certificate in order to start the process. Yeah, that's right. And then the court will take the des- they'll take the uh, the will that's been turned over to the court. You'll give them a will, the executor will, 
and they will um, validate it in court. They'll make sure that it's valid, and then they'll authorize somebody to direct a probate process by giving them what's called a certificate of appointment in most states. Um, so that would be the executor would have a certificate of appointment. Um, you'd post a bond. Um, that's usually only required if you don't have a will. Mm-hmm. If you have a will, normally the, they're able to serve without bond, and that's part of part of what a will would accomplish. So that's another reason to have a will, will so yeah. your executor won't have to post bond. And then you'll inform the beneficiaries and creditors, and the way they inform creditors is they normally require you to list uh, a notice in the paper for like six weeks um, that somebody has died, and if there are any creditors, they can come forward. Um, so, and then of course the, the executor would notify beneficiaries. Yeah. And the next you want to determine the value of the property or any other items that you have. Um, the personal representative will, will assess the value of everything owned at the time of death. Um, and for some items you might need to bring in a professional appraiser to help. You'll then want to pay necessary fees and debts, um, because they have to pay for things like funeral expenses, taxes, medical expenses, or any, anything else that's been unpaid. And the final step in the process is distributing the remaining assets to to the right people um, that uh, that are, are decided by the, the probate process. So, who who gets what will be spelled out in the will? If there isn't a will, um, what what happens next with those items? This is, is determined by the uh, probate judge. That's right. And a common question we get, Zach, is how long does probate take? Um, and so that's a great question. I mean it. It typically will take six to nine months if it's not contested. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends. And now a lot of assets can be distributed before then. If it's an IRA, if it has a beneficiary listed, it can be distributed immediately after somebody dies, as soon as the death certificate is available. Yeah. Um, but things that go through probate typically take six to nine months to, to be finalized, distributed, and closed out. Um, if there isn't a will, the process could take a lot longer because then it gets more complex because it's going to be intestate and the probate court will will follow through on that process and it takes a lot longer. Um, so and then the things to know, I mean, during the probate, you know, that your personal representative uh, just needs to to take make sure that they lock up any unu any any property, um, keep it safe until it can be distributed. Just make sure that, you know, you might want to change locks on the house if other people had keys to the house. Um, so you just want to be sure that you take care of everything. And that's kind of the personal representative's job, pay all the bills and, and make sure utilities stay up to date and all that kind of stuff on the house. Yeah. And there's also things like costs to consider, um, the personal representative, uh, will, will get paid, um, depending on the state, unless unless that representative is one of the heirs, then typically they don't pay out. They just kind of settle that as a part of the um, the the estate planning process. Or, you know, if you need to consider things like co- court filing fees, attorney fees, creditor notice fees. You know, overall, I think looking at this, is the, the main thing we want to accomplish is that preparing for probate is best. Getting a will set up, even if it is a right. will set up right. through legal Zoom, something that is in place so that you can avoid at least some of the headache here um, to help finalize the, dis- the distribution of someone's estate. Um, and so, um, but that said, not having a will makes probate a whole heck of a lot more challenging than it needs to be. So the best thing you can do, create a will, prepare yeah. your family, love them well. And uh, that is a little bit, very little bit about right. the probate process. So. Yeah, and I would just add to that. I mean, probate's really not a scary thing. You know, yeah. it's not a it's not a difficult process. You just it just takes some time. So you just kind of a methodical process. You just go through, you know, and 
and go to the uh, court uh, probate court office and uh, present the the death certificate and you just kind of follow it from there present the will and uh yeah you will get through it it just takes a little bit of time so good information though very good and that leads us up here to our final item and that is the prescription of the week and so um make sure that your life insurance is up to date and sufficient um you know if nothing else i mean the covid has taught us in the past couple years here is that you know life Life is short, and um, mm. you know you're not promised tomorrow. So yes. you need to make sure that you're prepared to take care of your loved ones in the event that you, you do pass away, um, particularly early. And uh, and having life insurance is an important part of that process, just to make sure that there's enough survivor income for for your spouse and and any dependents that you have. And so check on your life insurance. Make sure you have enough life insurance. Make sure that it covers adequately, um, you know, the needs of, of your, your dependents and your spouse. Yeah, like you said, really the unpredictability of uh, of life and, and, and when you'll go is, is just something not to gamble with, especially like you said, if you've got loved ones that, that rely on you, uh, especially financially. So, yeah, yeah that's All good. Right. Good deal. Good prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Um, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 